Welcome. This is Getting Loose and Killing Time. That's right. Getting Loose and Killing Time with Christopher Seymour, Patrick B. Ray, and today we have whom? Rich Russell. Not to be consumed, no, to you know, be confused with uh, Rick. Rustler? Yeah, Rick Rustler. Yeah, that's my alter ego. Dime Store Duster. That's your alter ego? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rick Rustler. We were just talking who about my that. my alter ego would be. What do you think? I don't know. It's probably some Boy Scout name or something. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like Butters on South Park, where it's like, he's got this, <laughs> that's like, it. That's it. this nice guy, and then he's got this, uh, you know, super villain alter ego. Professor Chaos. Yeah. I don't know. Montaquia, Montaquia. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Patrick B. Ray and Montaquia. 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 You have to say it like that. Like yeah. the like the like the ads. Hi, this is my friend uh Rich and my other friend Montaquia. Montaquia. All right. Well Rich, where are you joining us from? Houston, Texas? Wait. Well, I mean, where did you come <laughs> from most recently? Uh uh, I played my friend's wedding in Houston last night, but I live in Austin. There we go. That was what I was going for. I, I was. I'm aware of where we are. <laughs> yeah, he's very aware. It's always good if you're aware yeah, of where you are. That's 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 nice. Well, you know, sometimes you get those moments where you're not. I was, I was, I was South Texas tweak. We're up in uh, like you do. <laughs> yeah, we're up in Dallas, and we're he was. I had split a set with him, and Mama tried. You know. And uh, we had left Austin that morning to drive up there. And I think he had like a bowl of miso soup and one egg roll. I had an egg roll and a taco. And then DC, there guy, his brother with us, he had uh, like like a half a plate of leftover Indian food. And then we got there and immediately started drinking. Yeah. And so the night went a little wild, as it, as it will, you know. And so, you know, we take him back to, to Mitchell Ferguson's place. And we just put him to bed. You know, he's already pretty much passed out at that point. And then me and DC are like, we're going to go out. So we went out. We're having a good time. Just rolling around Dallas. And then I get a text at like 32 o'clock in the morning like, where am I? What town am I in? <laughs> like, where are you guys? It's dark in here. I'm scared. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's like one of those where am I moments, you know? never had one of those oh i've had those (laughs) i like to mess with people like when we're in wyoming and say like it's so good to be back in colorado and then they get really pissed off that you said that (laughs) yeah i get that when i wake up in the morning if i'm in a strange place i'm like then no matter where it is even if it's like i we have a little school bus that we go run around in if i wake up in the bus i'm like where am i oh 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 okay you get that like you know, three but i don't ever have it for long enough to like text somebody and be like where the fuck am i well he i mean he just woke up in a it, well, it didn't help that there's like no windows there it was like a converted garage mm-hmm. and so there's no windows the lights are off all you can see is the crack of light through the the seam of the double door you know yeah he doesn't know where the hell he is you know <laughs> yeah that's that's it happens to him in dallas it happened to him in dallas multiple times yeah there's another time he was up there and he woke up. And he was alone in a house that he'd never been in before. Man, that's why I don't go Similar to Dallas. Similar situation. Well, that's why I don't go there. You know. It's not true. I will go to Dallas. So well, you're already alienating. Have, you guys have. Yeah, I know. You guys have two listeners in Dallas. Yeah, so I don't know. don't Out alienate them. Out of the 23 them. listeners we have, yeah. there are two in Dallas. No, I will go to There's Dallas. There's one in Italy, though. I have family up there that I really need to get up there and see. Hi, Grandma. <laughs> but yeah, you know, are so, you uh, are you familiar with the Dallas area? rich oh yeah 
Yeah. Sort of. We used to play up there, but I haven't played there. I mean, there was this two years of not really touring. And we usually go to New yeah. Orleans. We used to go like Dallas, Tulsa mm-hmm. to get up okay. to the mountains. But now we'll go Houston, New Orleans, and then go up to Nashville and then hang oh, left wow. and go to Colorado, Wyoming Dude. from there. Did anybody ever tell you that's not on the way? Yeah. <laughs> but it's better <laughs> But it's better gigs. Yeah, that's true. It's driving more, but so having how do more you, fun. How do you guys do in New Orleans? I, I've been out there a few times and I didn't get the, I didn't get the feeling that they're really into like folky country stuff. It all seemed to be like... A lot of trad jazz, a lot of blues, that kind of stuff. Well, there's this thing on Tuesdays called the, hmm, what is it called? It's called like the, wow, I wish my friend Joy runs it. It's called like the, it's like a big potluck. It's called the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds terrible, a potluck. No, it's really great. So it's like that a Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday, it's at the Dragon's Den. It's called the something plate special or something, but it's, that's the blue plate specials and wherever. That's a okay. different thing. Um, and, and it's like a Tuesday movie. night kind of country dance night and they have like four bands usually a couple local ones and every it's like tuesdays so most people don't have gigs and everybody comes out and there's like two-step lessons oh wow and it's super and i've made so many friends from that find out what this is called we gotta go over there chris yeah i mean i i religiously and religiously go to new orleans i love it it's it's amazing i love my favorite cities to visit yeah the musicianship is way better there. Oh, I mean, Austin's like pretty good. I guess yeah. Houston's pretty good. Orleans is insane, but it's dude. really good. And there's actually a lot of songwriters there. Like, yeah. there's some smaller I'm friends yeah. who book smaller stuff. And like, there's uh, St. Rocks and I don't know. I we do. Some, we have a lot of friends Nick there. Schultz we party. Out of there yeah, we. Used, that's where I met Nick. Was yeah. That? Okay. Yeah, I, I think got, he used to play that thing, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He used to, he was playing with Sabine McCullough. He was playing drums for them. For right? her, yeah. yeah. And we we toured with like played a lot of shows all over with them yeah yeah and he had a tuesday night thing or no it was it was a monday night thing at st rock voice is amazing no he's yeah i mean and he's a really nice guy too which makes him terrible because you're like you want to hate him but yeah you're like man he's good looking he's nice and he's talented he's handsome he can sing like a fucking angel (laughs) and then on top of it it's like it's like one of the nicest dudes i've ever fucking met yeah just a real genuinely genuine down-to-earth human being i kind of i kind of feel that way about about jesse dano i got to meet him a couple times recently like every time i talk to him he's just super cool super chill down to earth like hey man how you doing yeah well let's talk about artists we know that we don't like so it'll be on the internet forever yeah, I forever don't really want well to. you know up. <laughs> <laughs> well here's my list so there's this guy named chris seymour. <laughs> yeah chris seymour i met him at, at sam Dude, sound I'm point i'm pretty sure that guy slept with my ex-girlfriend man. i'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah he, he probably did. did. And my ex-wife. <laughs> wow. His problems have been following me around for years. <laughs> so what are you working on right now, man? Uh, we have a record we finished right before the pandemic, and I didn't want to put it out, so I just like let it sit in the internet for a long Wait, time. Wait, so why didn't you want to put it out? Because I don't only want to put records out if I can go sell them and yeah. play them. them. Yeah. yeah. I just didn't want to do a digital release, and... Mm-hmm. It's all mastered we're just we're trying to put our first single out and put it put out in june but yeah. i'm so like atrophied to computers which i never liked anyway that now yeah. it's like where's the files what's a file yeah we're talking what's about a this wav? earlier he, no. he's he's doing i guess it's probably before you showed up so we're having dinner earlier while i was cooking i was talking to him about this talking about releasing music about yeah. the process yeah this guy's old school he's like ah yeah we're just gonna oh, w i'm tape. not gonna 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to release it unless I can go out and tour to support it. Like, man, that's getting more rare and rare nowadays. People are just—I mean, a lot of artists just do Spotify only, you know. But that's not why I started playing music. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to drive around and hang out with my friends. Yeah, and have a good time and I mean, see, I, see spots. I didn't even like playing music; I was just like driving. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was just play. But yeah, so we have that. Yeah, that's cool. Full length. Full length. It's going to be called Rise and Fall. What's the, like, stylistically, where are you headed with it? Uh, it's, I don't know. It's kind of like mm, soft rock, little country, okay, little All Americana. Right. Nobody wants to buy soft rock, you know? There's, like, <laughs> two country songs on it, and then, like, a song that kind of feels like a T-Rex rock song, and then we're kind of all over the place. Someone said it was psychedelic Americana. I was like, that's the dorkiest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that's what I should it feels build like it something as. That, was, that, that will sell in 2022, though. I don't know. I mean... What, your project, your, The Lonesome Heroes. The right? Lonesome Heroes yeah. is my band, yeah. Just so, so that anybody listening can find Oh, me, yeah. You know? Don't Google me. Google, Google my band. That, that arrest record. Yeah. <laughs> is there a porn star in it? Not that I've found. And then we actually just started another record, which is cool. So maybe we'll actually put two records out back to back instead of waiting. It's been five years since our last record. So mm-hmm. oh, geez, that is publish or perish. Time. Yeah, seriously, man. They're telling us nowadays that you gotta like you know, do one a month consistently. Who's telling month. you that? Like just, Spotify? You know the general yeah. <laughs> wisdom of how to get your shit. Yeah, done, you know that's so what I'm gonna do. I just recorded six songs, and I'll go back. I'll go back in in, in May or June. And record six more. I'll probably record eighteen this year. Eighteen. Um, eighteen. Wow. Um, but I'm just gonna release them. Well, the first six I'll release month to month to month. Second six I'll release in pairs. So wow. and kind of try to link them themed a little bit, you know. But um, yeah, it's just like I thought about putting out an album, but I don't have fans, dude. Nobody's gonna buy that shit, you know. We got twenty three listeners right here. Yeah. Actually, 25. Well, once all of my <laughs> fans tune in, you guys will have like 27. Ooh, so, nice. Yeah. I'll tell my mom. T- yeah, tell her I said hello. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, mom. Wow. <laughs> it was there. I, I didn't mean it. It was there. That way. <laughs> it went for it. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry to go on Mark Wahlberg on that. Yeah. So, Rich, I was listening to some of your stuff earlier, and, uh, and it's got to be it. Forgive me for saying this if it comes off the wrong way. It sounds very Austin. Like I when I listen when I listen to some of your songs, I'm just like I'm envisioning Austin, Texas. It it, it seems like music that suits that city very well. Cool. I'll take that as a compliment. I I would say that. Yeah. Um So where where I mean what's up stylistically with what you're doing? I mean, I, I, I get some I get some country influence in there. I get I mean, like you say, I get a lot of soft rock in there. I'm I'm honestly getting like the vocal style that you have, I don't know how you maybe do you like do you double track? My your last vocals? record had some more doubling on it. The okay. new one is like all live single vocal. Okay. So okay, yeah, it was just like some some you know, a lot of, a lot of folks out there right now are, are kind of going retro country sound, uh, but this is definitely not that. This yeah, is we're not a bit more progressive. We're not retro country. Yeah. When I moved to Austin, I mean, I love like. Beck and Sonic. I grew up on like Sonic Youth and Beck and I was hearing Beck when I was listening. You know, like uh, the Magnetic Fields or uh, the Silver Jews was like my favorite country band. You know, I don't 
don't know that one. No, they're good, man. They're amazing. David Berman. But I mean, they're not a country band. Like, Pavement was his backing band on half the records. So it's like, so like, I'm more of an indie rock guy. And like, when I moved to Austin, it was so cool because everybody that was uh, like over a decade ago, 18 years ago, um, you could like play a show with a bluegrass band, an experimental band, and a maybe not death metal, but yeah anything would go and like people were mixing genres and everyone was in different bands and like it definitely feels like the retro country thing is the thing now yeah. and like i'm not trying to rewrite Waylon jennings songs like yeah. like they're cool but Waylon was doing something new then and yeah. I, I mean we will try and riff on something like that not because we're so original mostly because i can't do that probably do but, <laughs> <laughs> but i think that's the cool thing about austin and yeah. touring out of austin a lot like especially back in the phone call days when you'd call people you're like oh i got a band from austin they're like okay cool can you play for three hours like okay we'll give you a thousand bucks and it's like what's your band name okay cool (laughs) you're from austin you're booked you know and it's always been kind of weird stuff i like weird yeah we um so i I actually just got back from playing up in the hill country this past weekend and i would imagine that if you're in Austin, it's it's pretty easy to hit all those places out there, like you know, Honda's at Fredericksburg or, or Luke and Bach, Albert. Um, but what what kind of places do you guys normally play? Do you guys do those kind of out of the way stuff, or do you, do you kind of play a lot in Austin? Or we you- play a lot in Austin, San Marcos, San Antonio, and then we play out of state a lot. Like we play in Colorado, Wyoming, what Montana, kind of places do you guys play California. Out there? <clears throat> uh like small hundred person rock clubs mostly sometimes like a bigger dance hall but we're not enough of a country band to like go out to bandera like we're not gonna like put spurs on our boots and bandanas around our necks you know like it's like like people are gonna ask us to play songs that i don't even know what that song is so kind of gave up on that we used to play in lukenbach quite a bit and i had a showcase out there i'd bring austin bands out once a month and it was like we were too weird yeah, we're you know? too weird for them. Yeah. And I was just like, we're like not that weird, you know? Like, <laughs> but like, yeah. Little too country for the indie rock club and yeah. too indie rock for the country club. So, so everywhere in between. You know, you ever heard of the band Deer Tick? Yeah. I love that band. And it kind of, it kind of has that vein to it too. It's not, it's, it's really, I think, heavily influenced by just old fashioned rock and roll. Especially when you listen to his voice, you know, and then there's that. There's a lot of country influence. Subtle, subtle country influence in there. Well, remember alt country? Yeah, that was a thing. Which, like, I never yeah. liked that genre. I never liked that term or the genre, but like, there, that doesn't even exist anymore. It's like no. pop country or retro country. Yeah. And there's no alt. Uh, and like, we played with Deer Tick yeah. in St. Louis in like 2006 for like eight people in an art space. <laughs> That's and I was crazy, like, these right? guys are too loud. I was like, this sucks. I mean, it was like, you know, there were six people there and they were, yeah, I mean, I, they were awesome, but it was loud as hell. You, know? you ever wonder why places that don't want loud hire full bands? I've often thought this is like one of the <laughs> cruxes of how booking goes down, you know? Like, it's like, they're not really, it's important, I think, to be right for the, for the space, right? I mean, what's basically what yeah. we talk about when we talk about, well, this, this place isn't for me because I do this. And that's too this right. or that. I'm tired of being right. hired. Like I want to yeah. be, you know what I mean? If I you play a brewery or you play somewhere where like, oh, you have to like tuck your shirt in because you're getting paid this much to pretend to be this way. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not art. 
you know. Well, that's where a good booker comes into place. Like they, they're going to know a lot more than you will as artists. Yeah. What's or unless you've been there before, they're going to know what's appropriate to their space. And if they, if it's not a big space, ah, well, how many good bookers are out there? Do you think, Patrick? I'm going to not talk. Well, I'm not, not, not talking about people behind. I'm not going to talk about. I'm not going to talk about anybody specific. But okay. I will say that some people that run booking, they're just not professionals. Oh yeah, not that they're a bad person. Well, you know, I think a lot you know, of times but they're just not. They have a good heart. They have a lot of times, and they love what they're doing. doing they love music, you know, and, somebody, and that's important. But somebody just, doing that oftentimes is doing it as an add-on to, you know, being a GM or you know running sound or being a man, you know, bar manager yeah. or whatever. Like a lot of times, being a booker is kind of a secondary thing, and that's not their main, main thing deal. that they get to focus on. So a lot of times, you kind of get the short end of the stick when it comes to you know, attention when it comes to communication, you know, a lot of times you run into that and that's, yeah, that's kind of the way of the world. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's going to change anytime soon, unfortunately. But. Yeah. I mean, I guess retract going back to the question, like where do we play is kind of like wherever mm-hmm. we can. Yeah. But one of the roles I, I used to tour pretty much for a living for a long, like six or seven or 10 years. I don't know. And playing all these rooms that I didn't like, and I didn't like music. And then I decided I only play with friends and I only play places I want to be in. Yeah. So I'm not like trying to hit Cleveland to make it in Cleveland because it's on the way to Chicago. I'm like, I, I mean, I don't know much about Cleveland. It might be nice. It sucks. So I'm not trying to go break into the market there. It's like, I've got places I like. Yeah. And we really did start playing DIY spots like punk rock clubs or houses or, yeah. you know, weird art spaces. And House shows. That's always worked for me. Like, but not the house shows with like at a fancy person's house where they. No, no, I'm talking like, like in, in some yeah. basement. Right, exactly. Somewhere. And, you know, and it's like just like a bunch of sweaty. 16 year olds that snuck in and are, snuck are in and illegal are, drinking. Yeah. And like weird and, old people that are like. Yeah, and people are doing blow in the bathroom. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's a party. Yeah. You're just playing a party, really. But it's on the edge and you can kind of yeah. do whatever you want. And like, there was a time where. Being like kind of a country band was like nobody wanted, like we couldn't play a rock club. Yeah. So it was like, oh, we'll do that. And I was like, we're an art band, you know? <laughs> well, I think with, with radio homogenizing every damn thing, that really a lot of what you hear on the radio is either going to be like rural pop or southern rock. Right. Right. Like in almost rural the traditional. Rural pop. That's it. Yeah. Rural pop is, is like basically that. pop country. Yeah. Pop country. Yeah. Well, it's, it's one second. But there's no, <laughs> there's no country. So you're saying it's no, rural no, pop. No. It's rural pop. It's got it's a, a fiddle on it. Yeah, that means nothing to me. <laughs> it's, you got know? A, it's got a banjo, you know, in the chorus just to get it on that station. And the guy might have, our, our lady might have a, a twangy voice, right? And then we, we call that country. Throw an ain't in there, you know. But it's it's really just rural pop, you know. There's, yeah. there's syncopation, you know, and, and, and it's pop music yeah. with fiddles and, and twangy guitars and, uh, you know, somebody with a slightly uh, twangy voice, you know. And... There's nothing wrong with that. If it's that's what you're into, it's got a place yeah. in the world and it sells well. You know, I, that's, that's all fine and good. But yeah. we, well, you know, it's like the shows that impacted me the most when I was when I was just kind of like leaning towards that country music in general was Ryan Adams, uh, and that's like a classic example of all country. He like really had those influences, but you know, like he had some pretty rock and roll stuff. I mean, he, he just kind of did a little bit. Of, and I think you get more into, like, just roots Americana in a lot of ways, too. Like, I mean, you probably lump, like, Springsteen kind of dabbles in all 
yeah, country I think a so little too, bit, yeah. you know? I mean, Nebraska is very all That was country. one of my favorite tapes yeah, when I was it's, a kid. It's, I didn't even I know what country like music every, was. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's like that. it's one of my favorite albums, period, all time. Um, and so, like, I remember sneaking into Whiskey Town shows at 19, and and when when you get into that area of, like, those bands, I mean, now they might get in a fist fight on stage, you know, and, and maybe the show doesn't go the way you thought it would, or maybe he'll yell at somebody in the audience because he was always a real dick. But, um, you know, it's just those kinds of things. There's not that demarcation anymore. It just kind of it vanished almost, you know, or you're not country enough for people. That I think that happens to a lot of guys that are in that all country yeah. world. That's, yeah. I mean, it was just the 10 year anniversary of the white horse in austin mm -hmm. and we played the opening party and we probably played there i don't know 20 times a year maybe mm -hmm. more for 10 years mm -hmm. and i already feel like we're getting pushed out i mean we got to play the 10 year but now we're playing like the eight o'clock thursday slot yeah mm -hmm. and it's like because in favor of what jake Shenrod? just or? yeah people who are playing covers 70 yeah. percent covers or their song i mean so do you think that their, their songs sound to like covers? I mean, I don't know. Do you think they're trying to go more country? I guess is the question. I know no, it's not now. Trying, it's not, like uh, I'm not casting shade on. Jake well, Bernard. now we're talking like about people I know. So I this know, is that's why I'm trying to. Do you, do you think that that club is trying to go more country? I think that they could do whatever they want, and there'd be a hundred people there sure. on every night. Yeah. And when it started, it was like East Cameron Folk Corps would play, which is like a weird kind of like I don't know who they sound like, just like more edgy punk rock, you know, Americana. And there was definitely stuff that wasn't based on two-stepping or retro sounding. Mm -hmm. yeah. And now it's almost everybody is sounding sort of like this, you yeah. know, and more like 40% cover songs. Like, I don't know. And so it's like, oh, okay. So we'll go back to playing small rooms and small, you know, like, but we yeah. can get people dancing. That's not a problem. Yeah. It's just like, well, now I'm just complaining, but. It's not fostering. <laughs> it's not fostering creativity if yeah. you're doing that, you know. And I think that's a shame. And it's not alternative. It's like we would never be able to play the Broken Spoke, you know. Ginny's little Longhorn, maybe. I mean, we could weasel our way into there, but like the White Horse and the Hole in the Wall were like, or the Continental was like, we could do that because yeah. we were in between. Yeah. And the White Horse was the when my friends opened mm -hmm. that place. It was like, hey, here's a place for all of y'all to come play. Yeah. And now it feels like people are battling over the white horse or the broken spoke. It's like the same thing. And like the broken spoke is like old people, yeah. tourist land, you know, yeah. and the same bands are playing those two venues. Sorry, white horse. I do love you. <laughs> Please book me. We love everybody that plays there too. Well, almost everybody. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, no, I can't say that. And I'm not saying there's right that's actually, that's the actually retro country that. thing is, yeah. white horse. I don't think that the retro country thing is bad. I'm just saying like, I mean, that's, that's what I do basically, you know? And, um, Oh, and it's because sorry, I, I haven't listened to your music. I know. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's just traditional songwriting that, I, that I'm into. And, and, and I, I mean, I started doing that kind of stuff maybe like six years ago, you know? Um, but I think you don't want to lose everything as a whole, right? I did a lot of all country stuff. I mean, the band I was in before, we were like a hybrid string band, basically. Well, we, we took and played like kind of almost with a claw hammer banjo and accordion and organ and like uh you know western sound and stuff and an upright player that was, was rockabilly influenced heavily like a really great stand-up player and um you know and we're 
we're playing all this these like almost old time timey sounding stuff and then almost western and almost surf and almost a lot of these things and then you you're looking to how i love these genres and i'm going to take pieces from them and i'm going to create something different right from it and and sometimes that taking those chances those risks can be just that a risk where you 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 know not going to maybe have the same audience you'd have if you went with something a little more uh broadly accessible for folks you know less brunch gigs more yeah rock and roll gigs or well we would play when well we moved the project to houston we had a really difficult time finding anyone to play with nobody was doing that here nobody um and uh i mean we had some bands that can be a good thing though it can be but it's really hard if you don't have if you're not able to make those connections when it comes to like playing gigs get get in front of people i mean eight years ago is a different kind of world too as far as like how we went about doing this business as opposed to how we do this business now mm-hmm. you know what you booked all that sort of stuff was different but we just didn't have an audience here and that that yeah. was i mean people that that were into us were into us because we were really tight we're dynamic you know. um <clears throat> we did some interesting things with the music and that was fun and then I think I slowly just started slipping more traditional with things. And yeah. that's just what happened with me. I also got older. I mean, you know, that's happened to my band. Yeah. We were like a psychedelic country band when we started. We were I in our twenties. I, I listened to your early stuff. Yeah. Man. And it's like, we didn't really know how to, what we we're doing either, but yeah. like we were on a mission to just make like weird music, you know, yeah, and like, and it was really fun. And then we definitely were like, Oh, we need a rhythm section. We need, if we want to get paid these for these gigs, it would help if we actually knew how to play country music, you know? So we've grown, but I just try and hold on to like, I mean, something new, like back to sounding like Austin. I mean, Austin is not Nashville. You know, most people I know there are not trying to write a hit. Yeah. They're trying to write music, like cool music and do stuff. Well, And and when I say that it sounds like Austin, I, I, I want to be clear that I, it doesn't sound like that retro country sound that also is coming out of Austin. It's not that. It's much more like something you'd hear down at Antones, right? Or something you'd hear, you know, at, at the Saxon pub. Like it's it's very much very much something that you would hear in one of those more rock influenced clubs rather than yeah, down Sagebrush. Which I mean you guys Yeah. Well I think the Sagebrush is like is probably the new spot where that's yeah. gonna happen because yeah. There's, good, they're booking every different kind of music there. I mean, yeah. not every different kind, but com- compared to, it's not just a country dance hall. Yeah, you know, and they have a dance Although night. It makes which a we played damn this good week. country dance hall. Yeah, we played there on Wednesday, <laughs> and that was great. So I went by there last. I was actually I drove back from Austin last night, really late. I stopped by there. I was going to stop and see the show, but it got so late, and I was like, oh, not going to do that. So to draw, I some- I'm sorry, Patrick. I didn't mean to totally cut you off. My ADD kicked in tonight. I was I was just speaking highly of the sagebrush. That's all. It's a cool yeah. spot. Well, I, I'm rude, um, <laughs> but I'm also insensitive enough to not care about it. So you know, uh, I'm just kidding. It's that nihilism, yeah. man. It yeah, just, you know, shines through. I'm a nihilist, Slabowski. I believe in nothing, <laughs> nothing. Um, it's really exhausting. Um, what was I going to ask? Oh, let's talk about a clip that we're going to be playing. Um, what clip are we going to be uh, playing? Talk a little bit about the song. Um, you know, maybe part of your process, like how you go about writing. And Oh, wow. Yeah. Throwing you a deep one. Yeah. We can edit this, right? 
No. <laughs> to yeah. a certain extent, we can. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh, well, uh, okay. Well, we have a song, Western Style Saloons. Oh, yeah. Okay. I wish my new record was out because it'd be more fun to talk about songs I didn't write like seven well, years ago or something. Did, did you want us to play some clips from that new album? Uh, have I don't you even release any of it to anybody. I haven't yet? released it yet, and okay. I, I don't even know how to get yeah. the files because I'm an idiot. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still trying to get the master, the proper masters from the mastering yeah. engineer. Um, well, you can play some of the new stuff. Yeah, I'll play know, some I, new I, stuff. I okay. Um, but Western Style Saloons—that's one of my favorite that we've written, and when we play it, people love it. Yeah. Um, and it's just like was on tour with my friend Ramsey Midwood. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know. He, he owns okay. Sam's Town Point, or he's okay. one of the owners. There's okay. Multiple. That's why I know his name. And he's got okay. this great band, and we used to share a lot of band members. And at one point, we went on tour, and we had multiple band members, so I just, like, went in the van with them. And he does this, like, real cool kind of, like, well, I don't know if this is fair to say, but it's it's reminds me of J.J. Kale, like, that kind of straight mm-hmm. beat. like. And to me, that was such a new feel, and I was like, I want to write a song like that. So I went on tour with him, and it was like, those guys are all a lot, a little bit older than me, you know, and I was a little bit younger than now. And it was like interesting to be on the road and get this perspective of people who've been doing this for 20 plus years. And doing so it well I, too. And doing it really well. Yeah. yeah. And still not being like super famous, still playing small club circuit, you know, at yeah. the occasional big festival. I mean, it's not to say they're not famous or not playing big spots. And so I wrote that song in the style, like sort of that same straight feel. And like stole a couple line references from his song and like and it's it's cool because it opened up this whole new feel and i mean that's that's what it is for me like i didn't grow up playing roots music i grew up making like weird experimental jam rock stuff with my friends (laughs) and so every time it's like oh that's what a shuffle is oh that's what a waltz is the first waltz i wrote i didn't know what three four was you know my friend's like that's in three four and i was like oh cool Oh, well, that's what that's called. You know, and it's like, I'm going to write waltzes now, yeah. you know? And so it was like a cool discovery. And it's just about driving around and having fun with your friends and realizing that you're kind of, you know, is there a point to this? I don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it sure is fun. All right, cool. We're, we're going to play a little bit of that song real quick. song called western style saloons western style saloons all right so you're talking about writing writing a jj kale style song right after talking about trying not to be a retro band that that's pretty (laughs) (laughs) pretty pretty retro 
I, so I was I was catching a little bit of Beck in there. You mentioned him earlier. I was catching a little bit of that. I, you know what else I was catching? I was listening to your stuff earlier today. I was sitting over here doing. I, I bought this reloading machine the other day, and I'm over here trying to like take all the little primers out of the bullets. I was wondering if like I was need to be worried about FBI watch list. No, or, no, no, no. It's, this is not illegal. This is all. <laughs> you remember that time when we were on the podcast and the house got raided <laughs> live? No, it's it's just for. Uh, yeah, it's for target shooting, you know? but I've been saving my... Anyway, I was over there doing this. You're just sitting there not doing anything, so I, I you know, mindlessly pull in a lever. That's how that works. Put on your music, and, and uh, this one came on. Again, I don't mean this is a compliment or a de- or a detraction or whatever. prefacing too much. Prefacing. I was hearing a lot of Bob Schneider in your stuff. Yeah. I, I was like... I used, I used to be a huge Bob Schneider fan, not a huge Bob Snyder fan anymore, just because I have moved on to other music. Um, but I used to really like his stuff. I like his, you know, like his style, and he he kind of had that same, you know, genre bending effect. And he used to play that bluegrass bluegrass massacre with Threadgills, and he would just do straight bluegrass covers of his own songs and other songs too. But um, and then turn around and do you know a really funky show over it. Saxon Pub or Antones or whatever and you know, some of his stuff sounded light rocky so that was one thing that I heard a lot in your music I mean I guess I admire was, that in musicians too yeah and he I mean he you know but you're usually more successful if you just choose one thing and go with it yeah and yeah. that and that what they tell you cohesiveness is, yeah and yeah. I think it's interesting that you were saying man that the album that you're putting out which we'll hear a song from that. You're going to play one for us. Yeah, I'll play one of those. But, uh, you know, the album you're putting out, your new, your new album, you haven't released in what, five years, you said? A little more than that. You're like, uh, you were saying that they just, there's some that are kind of all country, but then there's some that are just something else entirely, right? Like a couple rock songs. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we, we can't be scared to, to dabble outside of whatever it is that we feel is the cohesiveness of things yeah i kind of i've had people tell me that before and then on that last album i put that that waltz with an accordion in there just completely different than the rest of the album and you know i had i had a couple people come up to me and say brother that is the best song on the album it is so fucking cool it's it's like a jazzy waltz with some accordion going on Mm -hmm. and it's 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 completely incongruous the rest of the album and I was noticing that about your stuff earlier. I was listening to this, and I'm like, "All right, this is kind of like, yeah, kind of light rock." I, I used, or like, it kind of remind me a little bit of Spoon, a little bit of like, okay, little, well, like definitely more rock, more bluesy influence. And then one song came on that was that had a steel guitar in it and sounded like pretty straight country. Like something yeah. you'd hear at the White Horse. I never like whatever you're supposed to do. I never like re- finished reading. <laughs> the the thing on like yeah. what to do Dang it's it. like i was like oh okay whatever yeah, yeah. Uh, but i like to write well tell, tell us a little the, bit about your writing like what's what's that look like to yeah. you? is it spur of the moment or is it something that you well i say i like what are you i say i like to write but it's the hardest thing to possibly do yeah i agree like <laughs> i like it when it works um and we toured like i said for 10 years solid and we finally did like an australia tour and like started as a duo and then i like had a full full band and we toured like 200 shows and 
went to Australia for 40 days and it was awesome. And I finally like got into some debt, you know, I was like, I'm in over my head Oh, okay. and got a job as a Lyft driver, which was awesome and stayed home a little more. And my friend, Johan Wagner, he runs this songwriting retreat out in Chinati hot springs called crooked crow. And he was like, it's a great location. Yeah, don't way. go there. I shouldn't There's even tell people there. about it. No, yeah, don't go there. It's cool. Go to Marfa. It's everybody loves Marfa. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm a jerk. And he invited me to be the cook. He he was like he could tell. Like he's like you need you need to get back into songwriting. And I started went to Kerrville Folk Festival, made all these songwriter friends. And then I was like I'm a band guy. You know. Yeah. I'm like running a band. Had a booking agent. Had a manager. All this crap. You know. And I just go out in the desert and cook for a week for all these songwriters and go and do these weird workshops where we'll like do the cut up method, which is like cut, take a bunch of dime store novels and cut words out of it and do refrigerator poetry or like translitic, which is like, you'll take a poem in another language and you just quickly translate it into like, see, you know, and it's kind of like gives you a portrait into your mind. If you're just broke up with someone, it's probably a lot of like, yeah broken heart stuff yeah. and if you're you know you love rock and roll it's gonna be so are these are these exercises that you use whatever you're yeah doing, whatever well so it got me back into just realizing like oh yeah i'm a writer like i was a lit major like the only reason i write songs is because i don't want to write a book because that's a lot of work you know <laughs> Hold on. that's why i was a poetry <laughs> yeah. major yeah oh yeah you know, like, i mean I, I didn't even major in poetry i just read five poetry words. that's all i need here five yeah words. yeah exactly yeah. i mean i love that and you know poets think about language in a totally different way yeah. and like you know assonance and you know what was dylan doing and i mean a lot of it just got me way back into that and doing co-writes and yeah you know and like not necessarily the traditional like two people sitting in a room we're going to do a co-write like i'll work on something and i'll send it to a friend and they'll be like oh try this change that line you know or like or they'll bring me a song and we'll work on it and it's their song still you yeah. know like it's like this is clearly we're writing in your voice or that's a lot of this what is, me and seymour do we do, do a lot with tweak too yeah yeah we'll show up, be like, yeah, hey, I, I got this idea man let's, let's i can't believe how many songwriters are too shy to do that yeah. and like oh, how man, many half songs you. i would have never have finished if one of my friends just didn't say man why don't you just write a bridge why don't you just play a b minor there yeah. yeah or you already played the relative minor three times why don't you try a more creative chord and you're yeah. like Whoa. I, I brought him one like just it's a straight up hillbilly song and uh i um i brought him one and we finished it uh me him and, and tweaked it and it was like one of those that i had had like a chorus to and a progression for for <laughs> nine years <laughs> wow nine years that had sat there he came and i continued to play it man i yeah. i'll play back through old stuff all the time because sometimes that song you worked on back then it really belongs as a part of this song that you're working on now and you didn't realize that that was what its intended purpose was when you made it you know and so you're like oh that's my bridge or oh that's yeah. the course to this song right or oh i never found this other piece for that right and so I, i'll play back through things all the time and so i just brought it over one night and we started it sat down and then we're like okay well we need this other piece to it uh, the next couple days tweaks hanging out up here with me and we're in my living room and he just writes the bridge right there on the spot and uh and so it it was like really cool man because you're you just you get you're starting to bring other people into that 
scenario and their view of that thing becomes different. Right. Especially when you're talking about things that are intimately a part of your own history as, as the prime, as the primary, like, original, like, I got this verse, I got this course, right? It's this, based on a feeling. Yeah, it's basing and on. And you think there's meaning, but. But I mean, I think that just speaks like, to universality, though, right? Like, we're all humans and we're all experiencing very similar things. And I think that, that's what, it's so easy to tie things together with other writers because, and it's just music. It's the most collaborative art form I can think of. I think a lot of times it is probably the most collaborative. Yeah. Yeah. Like you get a more appealing product in the end. If we think about music as a product, like I don't mean product, like something you buy. I mean, product, like something, something you produce. produce. Output. Yeah. So I think you get a more appealing output a lot of times because you put this one idea, you know, you have, you have built your own, your own set of cognition around this idea. But when you put that idea from another person, they're going to have a completely different set of ideas that hook onto that. Right. And then you add a, a third person onto that. They're going to have a completely separate idea or a completely separate set of other ideas that hook onto that. Now you have this ecosystem that's kind of playing off each other. And that's where, you know, what? I feel a lot of times when we're doing co-writes or when we're doing co-writes with, with tweet, we get stuff that's better than any one of us could produce by ourselves, like hands down. Well, so there's the chemistry of just having a personal relationship with the people you write with too. Yeah. They knew that that's the thing is like, I taught, I, well, you know, I'm, in, you know, I'm uh, close with both Patrick and, and Tweak. And, and so I talk to them about my life, like what actually happens with me, things that I don't share with others, you know? And then when you're in that writing situation, their perspective on what you're going through is outside of that thing. And that is what's hard to write songs sometimes, because when you're close to that thing, you're right in it. We wrote a song. Too close to it. Well, we wrote that, I wrote that, we wrote that song Virginia together. Yeah, yeah. And it was something that was deeply emotional for me and, and, and something that I was experiencing. And dude brings it over here. I'm like, man, dude, that's, that's too deep. Yeah. I, I, I can't. He's touch like, I that. can't touch that. And I was like, yes, you can. You know. <laughs> and, then, and so we sat down and we we worked it out. We changed it around. And then I, you know, I bring it in, bring it into the studio with with Skirla. And that's our Skirla reference for today. There it is right there. Uh, and the steel blur. Yeah. I, he's, I, I texted but, him to come to the show. He's out of town. Yeah, man. He's he's a fantastic person, man. And his studio is beautiful down there. And I'm going to tell you right now, I, I think that dude is is one of the most genuinely, naturally gifted musicians, period. And his ability to understand arrangement and instrumentation yeah. is unique to him. Oh, he's a steel player, too, right? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he was playing. Brain. And he man, makes he it look playing. effortless when he's doing it. Too. He makes everything look effortless. On on a lot of those tracks, he's playing both the bass, the drums, the still, yeah. like uh, lead guitar parts, um, and then he's doing the arrangements, and then we're going through it together and figuring out what we want to do with like melodies and 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 where we're, but you know the bone the bones are what I'm bringing him, and he's the guy that hangs the meat on him, you know, and and finding those people that you have those relationships with to work with, and I've written with Kevin before too, um, just songwriting stuff, and uh, you know it's. <laughs> that intimacy that they have with you and their perspective of you, it lends something different to that song than you would have been able to comp- accomplish out of your own inner relationship to it, right? Yeah. I think that's that's the beautiful thing about writing with, with your friends. Well, one, yeah. of the, one of the rules, which we don't necessarily have rules at the songwriting at Crooked Crow, is you don't talk about meaning when you bring a song to somebody. You're not like, this means this, because it's like kind of that like, it's too precious. You're like, no, but this is about 
this situation. And it's like, you know, the listener doesn't know that necessarily. Yeah. No. And if it's so obviously implied, it might not even be interesting anyway. And so like when you do a co-write, if you're not like, this is about, I mean, also obviously you're always going to do that too. But like, sometimes you like go of that. And like you say, like take a bridge from a different song and throw it in there. And it's a juxtaposition, you know, and those two things are having a conversation instead of you're like trying to write a bridge about this song that you already wrote three verses Mm -hmm. about. So you're totally out of material. You're like, I don't know, said it the best way I can three times. Two, it's like sometimes with with like Virginia, when we were working on that, you know, I just kind of sat down and kind of wrote it in here one night, uh, the initial idea of it. And then he's like, I don't know, man. It's, it's just like these really personal snapshots. And it's, it seems like it's almost too personal for me to access. And, uh, he was like, it needs, it needs something else. And we talked about it. Well, we I, talked I told about him it. it's got to be approachable. Like, it's yeah. got to be something that people can identify with. Cause if it's too personal, then it's going to be only your experience. Yeah. It's going to be so specific that it's difficult for other people to identify with. Yeah, and he was like, he was saying, you know, you need to, you need to craft imagery, right? That yeah. That that ties these things together to the the overall theme of things, right? Like, what is it actually being talked about? And uh, that was interesting because it, it led to thinking about bridges, right? And then we, you know, and then it changed the way I looked at it. Pretty cool bridge. Yeah, we? yeah, I do, I do like the bridge on it, but you know, it's like. Having those experiences with people that you're you're riding with is so. I don't know, Rich. Who who do you it's ride awesome. with? I mean, you you you're you're a obviously an accomplished songwriter. You have quite a, a body of work on, um, on Spotify. And I was actually I was digging some of the writing that I was hearing going on there. So I'm curious to know who you write with. You know, I think on all my stuff that's not out, it's not as much co-writes. But I think really like about a third of my new record is all co-writes. So who, who are you writing um, with on the new stuff? Or my friend, you? my friend Ron Scott is one of my favorite people to write with. Um, he's not a very famous songwriter, but he's written songs with a bunch of friends that have millions and millions of plays. Yeah, he doesn't have a website, you know. <laughs> so he's he's like an Adam Carroll kind of songwriter. He's yeah, like your, but your less, favorite songwriter, less famous than that, less yeah. famous than Adam yeah. Carroll, but with uh, hundreds of millions more yeah. listens. And we're just buddies, you know. We'll just like eat a sandwich and work on a song because that's what we like to do um my friend my friend david longoria he goes under long river we write together a lot um i mean a lot of it comes from that songwriting retreat so also like we'll do we you pick names out of a hat the final exercise is and there's four songwriters and so you don't get to choose who you write with and sometimes you'll be stuck with somebody who's stylistically you're not into at all or who's not into you at all and it's a really good growing experience. Yeah. You know, and like it kind of forces you to be an adaptable songwriter at that point because to I mean, to get over the ego. Yeah. This is my song. This is about this. Well, also, it, you know, like it, I think that's so important to think about in art, you know. I think it gives you an opportunity for that juxtaposition that you're talking about. It's like, okay, well, I can take, you know, I can take this this idea that I'm batting around. So the person has a completely different way to go about it and you know, sometimes that can produce a really cool product or a really cool output, I guess, to use a more neutral term. But that, I think that that output of that product is going to be, uh, in that case, it's going to be a little bit more, I don't know. I, I'm thinking about it like a yin and yang thing, you know, that they're, they're kind of swirling. I think, together, I, you, I think you're, I you agree can with still you. still see that striation. You know, it's, 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 I guess maybe it's not, 
from a cohesiveness standpoint, we're getting really esoteric here. <laughs> from a cohesive sta- from a cohesiveness standpoint, maybe it's not. You know, maybe you want it to be not obvious who wrote what part, or that the two parts are written by different people, right? Um, or maybe, you know, it turns into a duet where you do have two very different styles. Or so like a lot of different directions you could go with the that. traveling Wilburys, and you know, like the yeah. Tom Petty line, like lines up with Tom Petty. Yeah, the Bob Dylan line is like in his psychology. Yeah, the George Harrison line is like the spiritual <laughs> line. You're like, damn, you yeah. know, we've never I'll, done it quite like that. I don't know. I like that. That could be really cool. I'm I mean, if whatever, back to what do you write about or why or why or yeah, the branching off into co-writing has helped me so much because I just have trouble concentrating and I don't finish things. Yeah. And like doing co-writes usually is an excuse to hang out with a friend. Let's, yeah. let's work on a song. And it's like doing your homework. Like it's like doing your homework with your friends exactly. after school. It's more efficient if you actually just do your homework, yeah. but like you probably won't do it. So. So it's really helped me to like, well, that's what I kind of actually finish stuff and be accountable to yeah. it. Yeah, you know, that's what I say about about Seymour. Thank you, because he he was saying last time, you know, when Nick Garza was over here, he was like, "Well, you know, I don't do the technical stuff. I don't do this. I don't do well. I don't really do anything." And I'm like, "Actually, Seymour, you know, you motivate me. That's what you do. You know, just having having him as a as a musical partner, having having him as somebody that does this with me, it's just motivating because I I would not do this on my own." Like, yeah, I got other I got other stuff I do, you know. Like I'm, I'll, I'll be out, you know, writing songs or whatever. Ready? Two. Pop a top again. <laughs> Is that a new hit? Yeah. Well, I think I have a new hit, but I don't want to tell it because you're 27. Uh, I have an idea. You want a song idea? Yeah. Should I put it. it on the internet? Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. We we'll issue a challenge. Rodeo cold, like yeah. it's like when you leave your beer in the in the trunk, you know, you okay. drink them warm, so. Like these beers right now? These are kind of rodeo cold. They're I guess that's what cold, made me yeah. think about it. Yeah. But like, what a great, like, a song about drinking rodeo cold Damn, beer. I, hold on. I'm going to write that down right now. Dude, it's a thing. It's like your heart, it's your heart's kind of rodeo cold. Like, oh, here we your go. Your beer's All rodeo right. cold. Yeah. Go. Well, I had that one song where I was like, and man, I don't want to do it because somebody's going to steal this line. It's like, <laughs> but now it's are. in posterity, so it's mine, motherfuckers. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, a warm beer. Cold women. Oh, you know, like that whole idea. That to me the other day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't that a really famous song? No. No. Uh, oh no, you're you're flipping it backwards. Yeah. Cold beer, warm women. Warm beer, cold women. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm drinking topos. She's drinking doubles. <laughs> <laughs> Does that work? I think that would play well to White House. That's what I've been working on, and I appreciate it if you wouldn't expose me on our widely syndicated podcast of 20, 20 what are we at, 27 people? Uh, with I don't know. With your, counting with your mom. my mom, yeah. yeah, yeah. 27 people. Yeah. I don't even tell my mom about this podcast. I can't swear in front of her, man. You know. I, I mentioned it to my mom. What did, uh, I don't she know say? that she's. I don't know that she's listened to it. But my you, parents if will you're de- listening, hi, mom. My parents will definitely listen. I'll send them the link, and yeah. they'll be they'll they'll be listening. Awesome. Um, so we're getting on in the evening. I wanted to make sure to give you the chance to uh, to play us some some stuff from your from your new stuff. Okay. So let's let's move in that direction. We say. Alrighty. Um. Oh yeah. Uh. Here. <laughs> I'm really prepared. I was going to play you a new one, but I should play one off the new record. That's going to come out. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So this one's called, ooh, was that in tune? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, uh, this one's called later. Lucky by Birth. It's about trying to not wear out your good luck. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. Seymour knows all about that. Yeah. Oh, if all my luck was only good luck, that'd be great. Worn out, tattered, and bruised. Laced with the sunshine, we're dripping with booze. Let up and lay off the gas. We're begging decrees. We're burning the grease. Crooked crow on your shoulder. The sky's growing bolder like a tiny blue pill. Been tracing the lines that lead to a hole in your heart. Been digging for years. We lost track of down from up to sink through your teeth. Feel the flesh of the sound, cause living ain't easy. Close to the ground. your nose we're lying in debt well that's how it goes I'm just weak in the knees a field of debris a bump on a log oh no you got it all wrong the singing is easy the breathing is not Everything's all good, it's just blood on my shirt Well, we're lucky by birth Been tracing the lines That lead to a hole in your heart Been digging for years We lost track of down from up To sink through your teeth Feel the flesh of the sound, cause living ain't easy, close to the ground. Cool guitar solo stuff here, which I can't do. Everything's all good, it's just blood on my shirt, well we're lucky by birth. Everything's all good, it's just blood on my shirt, but we're lucky by birth. Okay, you guys call and response, ready? We're lucky by birth. Lucky by birth. 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 Oh, sorry, I hit the wrong chord. Yeah, bad ending, sorry. May all my endings be. I'm gl- I'm glad I got you guys to sing with me. That was <laughs> yeah. that was a pro move. Good thing we rehearsed that over dinner. Oh man, I'm so glad you told that me that that was coming. Dude. Well, that's why we do the steak dinners so we can rehearse mm-hmm. the songs. You know. Yeah. Well, that yeah, was cool. Awesome. All right, so living ain't easy, close to the ground. Living ain't easy, close to the ground. You want me to like talk about that song? I 
I just it, that that grabbed me. I just wanted to like That's a good line. I just wanted to I wanted to zoom in on that for just a second. And if you don't want to say anything about it, you don't say anything. But that's the one that grabbed me. Cool. Thanks. Living ain't easy close to the ground. I mean, I'm thinking. Yeah, man, what is, I don't really know what any of it means. It's kind of, I mean, I know what my intention was, but it's like kind of just language words that sound cool together. Yeah. But eventually. It's it's the emotion that's conveyed too, right? That's the honesty of the song, right? The emotional honesty of the song is the thing that is actually the song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, imagine like you're a bird. But it doesn't say like my heart hurts in it. No. No. like, Like imagine you're a bird. You're flying way up in the sky. Like, you're not going to run into anything. You can see everything coming. You're doing fun. Hawk eat you. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. You get down close to the ground, though, that's where the dangerous shit is. If you're a bird, you don't want to be, you want to be hidden in a tree or you want to be way the hell up there. You don't want to be in the middle because that's where the hawks are. Right? That's where power lines it's are. It's real on the ground, right? Well, I, I mean, I, th- I, I think, too. Uh, Life's hard when you're down, man. When you're down on the ground? When you're down in general. Right. Yeah. If you're near yeah. the ground, you're down, man. Yeah. And I, I mean... Well, we say that with language. We're flying high. Like, how you doing? Man, I'm flying high. Doing good. <laughs> I'm digging my own grave. One of my favorite... Oh, yeah. One of my favorite expressions. <laughs> I mean, not that I want to do that, but I think it's a cool... Yeah. Dude, I am not digging my own grave. <laughs> it sounds like a kind... I'll just take a like, shot to the forehead, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not afraid to die, necessarily. But I'm definitely not digging my own grave if I got to die. If somebody's like, you're going to take and dig your grave and then I'm going to kill you, I'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> Good luck digging, motherfucker, because I'm not doing shit. I'm not doing it. What are you going to do? Kill me? What are you going to do? Kill then me? you're going to have to dig, yeah. dig a grave. <laughs> I mean, what I would hope wouldn't happen is that they tricked me into it, you know? Yeah. I'm like down in the bottom there. And I'm like, well. They're like, hey, man, can you time help to us, put in that septic tank? And they're like, replace the septic tank? You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> I hope no one's put in that situation ever. Yeah, man. I, yeah, me too. I'll pass. But it is a great expression. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. So what do you have uh, What do you have coming up here? You said you're going on tour here in a minute. Uh, yeah, I'm going out with the band uh, up to Colorado and Wyoming and what's that other state? Kansas and Little Rock and Tennessee and Nashville and back so down to Texas. You got plenty of yeah. plenty of gigs between now with and then. Uh, with my friend John O'Leroy, who's going to be on your show soon. Yeah, who's one of That's my right. favorite maniacs in the world. We have a lot of fun. <laughs> I met Texas Tweak with with John O, of yeah. course. Yeah. yeah, and we had a good night. Uh, John O's one of my favorite people. He lives in outside Denver, up in the mountains. He's got a new record out. He's oh, he's he's got fantastic yeah. music out right now. Yeah, I'm just and that was why that's why I reached out to him. I was like, I was. You know, I look for new stuff. I look for people that are that are doing stuff that I haven't heard yet, and I found him, and I was like, "Holy shit! Whoa, dude!" That's why I want to have Robert Henry down here, man. Yeah, you talk about a guy that's—he's kind of retro. I don't know. Do I mean, know I'm Robert not Henry? against retro. I'm well, just—I'm just saying. I'm yeah. just to, to give a like kind of where that line is, right? But he does some interesting things. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess he's out of Oregon, yeah. like Portland. Is that right? No, I don't know. I just know he's from Oregon. Yeah. John Henry? Is that like, uh, did he Robert, build Robert, the railroad? Robert Henry. Oh, Robert Henry. Yeah, his cousin. Sounds like a folk song. Uh, it like, is. John Henry? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm like, I never heard it's of it. It's a tall him. tale. John <laughs> But, uh, you know. The most exciting yeah, you've, thing. You've been doing this for like a long time, though. Like, you've been, you've been 15 years for, of touring, yeah. yeah. Or so. So taking two fifteen years, off, years of so. playing the the being the top of the bottom or the bottom of the top, like 
the shitty opener <laughs> or the headliner that's still not drawing enough, yeah. but still not giving up and having a good time. Um, what was it? Like in, in that, with that as your background, it's gotta be really tough to take two years off. It, you know, like, it was a full a different style of life. <laughs> I just turned 40 and I had like the biggest party of my life, like Samstown Point, my friend zone. So I was like, I'm gonna have my birthday there. And I invited all my bandmates, 25. Well, all the ones that were in town and a few from out of town. So I had 25 bandmates. Like we're going to play like the biggest show ever, you know, and friend, friends flew in and we just, partied and it was like peaking it was the most fun it was like weeks weeks long and then folk alliance and then we did the same tour that we're doing right now which really the reason we do it is there's this cross-country ski festival up in wyoming so we get to go like way up in the mountains put on cross-country skis which we don't know how to do at all (laughs) ski downhill through the forest to our show and then like everybody parties super hard and like it's the coolest thing ever and did that and then the we were rolling through colorado like i had one more gig and i heard uh south by southwest is canceled you know and i was like what yeah and we're like we're like cool badass we'll just have like house shows <laughs> fuck south by you know as an, as an austin then, resident south by gets canceled you're like oh nice and i went <laughs> my favorite places will be yeah i was i was stoked people. and then i was like oh the world's ending and it wasn't so at first it was like oh, okay i've never taken a break from music this is cool i'm gonna take care of my parents and my girlfriend at the time in my house and just you know bunker up and stay busy and then like it became an existential crisis because mm. you you shouldn't be what you do and you shouldn't you know or I, don't know, I don't know the smart whatever saying that is but like you are sort of who what you do in the end of the day because i don't like to just sit around and have an existential crisis like and i didn't write a lot and I love, I love music. I love to listen to music and I love to write and I love to play music. But like primarily I like to bring my friends together yeah. to hear music and to dance and to celebrate. And all of that was taken out of it. And, but first time I got to go play a show, it's the best. I was like, yeah. I remembered and I yeah. cried first rehearsal with other people. I yeah. cried because I was like, whoa, this is, there's no high like this. You know, you can. You can yeah. get drunk. You can go ride a bike down a hill 100 miles per hour. You can yeah. go dancing, but like communicating musically with people in an audience is like, you Especially know. Especially you play with a lot. Yeah. yeah. So we've that's been, another, we've been that's another thing altogether. Yeah. We've been having shows the last couple months pretty regularly. And I'm, I, I, I had forgotten that feeling. I had forgotten. I forgot. I, I don't know if I suppressed started, it or if I forgot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I started doing these, you know, doing shows more frequently. It's like, damn that shit gives me a high for like four days like you feel when you have a good show yeah. you feel good for several days unless you have a shitty show the next day in which case you mm. but yeah. it was it even was, that's okay though because i mean yeah you've emotionally put yourself out there yeah or you've had to process mm. something yeah it's not watching netflix you know what i mean you're like <laughs> i just played a bad show yeah i should have rehearsed more or those people upset well, the good me thing, the good thing you with know, bad shows is though there's always something you can learn from them always like you play a bad show? Not me. I refuse to learn. <laughs> like I refuse there, to play bad not, shows. It may have been completely out of your control, but you can still learn something from that. You know, you can still take something positive away. Well, it's you're talking about not playing shows for the first time for like a couple of years. Well, I when the pandemic happened, maybe a few weeks prior uh, to shutdown here in, in Texas, like I played my first show in two years. 
like I had, I had, oh, you had I, taken a break before. Well, it wasn't by choice. Start. It wasn't by choice. Uh, I had lost my voice. Like it was completely done. I oh, couldn't wow. sing. Um, and I just had to, to kind of go away from it, which that was a really tough period of life, actually, for a little while there. And I, you know, I wasn't writing, and I, I wasn't wasn't singing, and I wasn't going and playing shows. You I know? mean, in some ways, you're not even emotionally available to yourself if you don't. Yeah. I wonder what normal people do who are not songwriters because it's like you know we all have this emotional outlet that like we're yeah. writing about ourselves yeah. not daily but possibly I, or I keeping a list day, you know or at like, least attempt it you know? yeah and like some people don't have that release at all no you know they don't. like and without that release for two years it was like well, you know whoa. so maybe and in some ways though that's what music is for a lot of people though that access point to your feelings yeah. right and so that's why people connect to what you do is because not everybody has that outlet, or if that is their outlet, even that's a, it's a soul thing, man. It's primal, you know. I, well, there's there's been lots of times you you know I've been out playing and we'll get done with the song, somebody will come up and be like, oh my god, you know that was my granddad's song at his funeral, or like I used to listen to this song when I was back in college, and that reminds me of, or you know I grew up listening to this. I remember one time I was at, at Shady at Shady Acres, uh, which is where we're fixing to go, and I played Mountain Dew, right? This song about good old mountain about, yeah it's a yeah. song about moonshine yeah and this lady comes up afterwards and she's just bawling her eyes out i'm like oh like did i, did I step on some toes here you know she's like no my I, I grew up in in north carolina and you know that song just immediately when you started playing it took me back home and back i just home, could man. not start yeah wow okay <laughs> and you're just messing amazing. around like i don't know i i was just i mean I, I think it's a cool song but it's it's not you know it's not that emotional to me but it was emotional to her so like yeah. even when you do stuff that may not be you know down deep for you it may strike a chord with somebody well, else man they really just grab them well it's part of the magic song song king of nothing that that i wrote um I, one day I just recorded, you know, in my living room, sat down with the camera and just recorded the song and I, I put it up on, on my social medias. And, uh, I get a, a message from my buddy who I haven't talked to in a while and he's like, Hey man, that song really, really spoke to me. He's like, I'm going through a divorce with my wife and, uh, you know, we're, we're selling the house and, you know, he was, was really, He's like, man, and that song got me, man. It just got me. It made me feel something, you know, that I, I was trying to work through. And uh, and he's like, and I'm drinking a lot, you know. <laughs> and I, you know, and and so I wrote that song when I was kind of in the stages right before the end of a relationship. And and so you know, you find those emotions that we all share. That's that's what it is, man. You know, it's a shared experience as humans i i almost wonder if like by not doing the thing that we do writing or playing music like maybe we weren't able to f access the feeling as much too oh yeah i, would, I can't talk that. about my i mean that's probably I believe that. everybody yeah, in the world yeah, yeah. like the last couple of years has just yeah. had a hard time like you know you've watched every movie you can you've eaten like way too much food and you're yeah. just like like just like dull you know well man it's like it's always funny when uh some former relationship stuff but you know like they would be like well how come you can't talk about your feelings you're you're a writer and i'm like 
yeah, that that's that's why I do that thing because it takes me it's the only way I have weeks, to process this weeks shit. and days and days usually to get that out. Yeah. You know, like it's not something that just to decode. Yeah, yeah. and it, to produce something that adequately says how I feel about it, right, or feels like I feel about it. And uh, so I think it's just kind of funny, man. Some people they can articulate in, in very straight and succinct manner what they're what they're feeling you know but sometimes man it's just that process of like pushing that stuff out that you don't even understand yet right dude that's how that that new song of mine is pecos i i I was sitting on a back porch in in north carolina in the woods and i just got to thinking about being in the mountains up in new mexico and i was like man i got pecos on my mind wait a minute hold on that's the that's how it starts that right there boom and you know i wrote it and i think i just recorded it uh, you know last week a couple weeks ago i've been listening to it a lot trying to fix like trying to tweak it a little bit and i'm trying to f- even i don't like the song has been written it's it's out and it's out but like it's it's in the universe right now right i'm still trying to figure out myself what it's about i don't even know i, it, I mean i have ideas about what it could be about but as near as I can tell, it's written from the perspective of a friend, a really good friend of mine, you know, who lost his parents, and and like that was a special place to them, and maybe that's why it's a special place to me because through him that place came to be special. But I don't know, like when I'm writing it down, I, I it just it's 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 kind it's of out like a waterfall, you know, sort of magic. Yeah, right. It's mm. like don't think or look too deep, and yeah. don't don't listen and just write it down. Well, I mean, that's where I have the most problems when I sit down and like, oh, I'm gonna write a song about this idea. It never works for me. No, but sometimes you sit down and you're just like, I got this thing that keeps sticking in my head. I'm just gonna write that down, and then you build a, a whole ball of wax around that. Those are some of the best songs, well, and they don't even make sense when you write them because you haven't processed them yet. Well, dude, I mean. You're in that stream of consciousness state at that point, right? And and really, good writing is good editing. That's good writing. That's exactly right. And so the the most important thing, and I mean, whether you're writing literature or whatever you're doing creatively, I think the best thing to do is to push everything out and then go cut the pieces out yeah. that don't fit or change the pieces that need to be altered. But, but, but to just put it out there where it's visible, you know? Because, again, you're talking about those those things and i mean some guys are really cerebral writers and they could do that and you know like sit down and craft specifically right i mean if you're writing a song about the battle of new orleans uh you know (laughs) the plot's there for you you know and and you're just you're recitating it in a way that's interesting and fresh and creative but hopefully maybe using descriptive language not just yeah yeah it's it's it's, well storytelling is imagery right right that's that's what we connect to that's how we create the image in the in the mind, unless it's, it's like Sophie who oh, can't yeah. see things in her head. Yeah. Um, well, so but, you take one of the greatest Texas songwriters of all time, Guy Ta- Clark. Uh, I thought we were going with Towns Van Zandt. Not yet. But, you, know, you guys okay. have to talk about Guy so Clark and Towns Van Zandt. Yeah, we do have to talk about them. This episode. It's, it's one of those things that we joke about, but we end up doing it anyway. That yeah. guy was a master of imagery. One of the, one of my favorite oh, yeah. songs of him is Texas 1947. He's talking about this train, and you can see through how he describes the train in the song you can see this thing rumbling down the track. And he talks about, look out, here she comes, she's coming, look out, there she goes, she's gone. In that instant, between those two lines in the song, the train came and went. That's how fast this thing's going. Like, this thing is 
ooh, it's hauling ass. Watch out. And you get this imagery, this little kid going to put putting a nickel on the track, smash flatter than a dime. That like that implies the power of that machine that it can smash something that's hard. Or how about to now bring in a Towns Van Zant reference? Let's do uh, it. Obligation. <laughs> Poncho and Lefty, right? His, uh, oh, we were you know we were talking about this song the other day. His skin's as hard as iron. His breast is hard. Or no, his, his skin's like iron. His breast is hard as kerosene. Yeah. Right? You get into that line there. I mean, that's just like you know what he means, and yeah. it, it's it's a visceral image of this. You know, weathered, hard ass. Who's drunk, probably. Man, who like just. He's a killer. He's, he's a marauder. It's just a hard man. Yeah. Like, think about every, like, you know, the man rode into town and everybody knew he was bad news. He was a bad, yeah. He was a bad man. He was a. He was weathered and he was scary, you know? Like, not to get all nerdy and, and talk about. There's a, there's a series called, um, The Black Company. And, um, it's kind of this amoralistic nihilist leaning series um and uh the way he describes them showing up and people reacting to them is kind of how i see that like people immediately knew that they weren't men of like good character just by the look that they wore and and your life is really written on your face anyway isn't it i mean in, in some ways scars yeah uh, you know you spend a lot of time in the sun you're weathered or or maybe Maybe you lived a soft life, like Patrick. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> he does look a lot younger than us. That's because he is. Hey, y'all oh, yeah. <laughs> catch my early life, though. I've only been soft in the last probably six or eight years. Oh, you know, when I was early on, I was mowing yards and painting houses and working a machine shop. Like I said, soft. <laughs> i'm just playing man. damn painters <laughs> i'm just teasing money. him because he's younger than us so yeah that's, that's right this is a gentle hazing you know <laughs> yeah. this is this is male bonding that's how we do it it's kind of fun though to have to, so usually the folks that are over here are younger than seymour yeah, and usually oh, the, old, the old man in the room what does that yeah. imply well i mean uh, it's it's nice to have somebody that yeah. that you know you guys share a lot of the same stuff growing up and you know a lot of the same cultural references because sometimes we don't quite align me and Seymour. Yeah. He remembers the 80s. I, I don't. Yeah, we didn't have cell phones. I was alive in the 80s. Yeah, I didn't but have I don't a cell phone until I was 25. <laughs> yeah, 25. Yeah. 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 I think I was 24. It was a little yeah. out of you. I was 18, which I yeah. went to college. That's our age like, gap. Yeah, that's, that's like, really the age I gap. I had right an there. answering machine in college, yeah. and I would like take the bus home, check the answering machine on Friday. Oh, who called? Okay, me. You know, like, can you imagine? Yeah. yeah. I could disappear for two weeks and people wouldn't know whether yeah. I was dead or alive back then. And I loved that. Yeah, you, know? you can't disappear like, nowadays. Like, they're like, where have you been? I'm like, I've been sleeping in my car at the beach for like a week and a half, you know? It's and, been great. Yeah. <laughs> Let <me> alone. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, now it's like everywhere I go, I'm just, I'm bombarded by the fact that I'm connected to everyone. In but, that you're not responding to this person and you feel bad or... No, I never feel is, bad about that. Okay, well. I, I we're not people same, up front so. that I'm, I'm real shitty at responding to things and part of it is just my brain doesn't even think to look half the time and then i'll look and i'll see it i'll be in the middle of something and if i don't respond right away man it enters into the realm of not now which not now does not exist only now exists you know for me and so you know i lose it and not now equals never <laughs> <laughs> i'm the same way as i know exactly yeah. what you mean oh i know so. yeah like what well, it's great you know when you you can harass your friend because you know they they forget things as much as you do yeah you know? um, he did this he's like hey i, mean, I was going to send him the link to download last week or last time show 
He's like, I'm like, yeah, I'll send you the link. He's send it now, but I'll call you back. I'll I will bother you if you don't send it right now. He did. Yeah. Rich, let's let's have you do one more for us. Okay. You want a new one or another one off a record? Or it's up to you, man. Well, what are you feeling, man? You want like an emotionally emotional one, or you want just another country song? It's up to I'm, you. I'm trying you to please you guys. What, no, so you're no, my man. only audience. No, we, th- we are here for you. You play whatever man, you want. Whatever play. you're connected to, right? Yeah. Now. Okay, whatever's been under your fingers and in your heart, you just get after okay, it. Okay, this one's called Black Coffee and Three Cigarettes. Alrighty. It's a breakfast a lot of musicians have. It's probably not very good for you. Never really been into that breakfast, <laughs> but. That sounds a tune, right? Check that B string. That's all. We're just going to go with it. Edit that out. Good enough for Kevin to work. Black coffee and three cigarettes. I hope you can't walk this one off. Fresh denim and that lucky flannel. It's hard living by the tip of your thumb. Static of the Portland station, voice steady as a train. Head east through the mountains to the Mississippi River. Keep on running from that northwest rain. I can hear you singing, but you just wanna dance. Look by the hum of the steel and the winds of change. Stick to Back roads for the interstate Always fond of traveling life Don't need my guitar, I'm not afraid anymore My dreams are all in black and white Well, I can hear you sing But you just want to dance Love by the hum of the steel And the winds of change Well, this time is for real I've been down this road before Keep on crossing that hill Try not to sleep on the floor Postcard from Reno says Omaha's next This time it's gonna work itself out But goddamn the weather and the dirty red bandana It's hard living by the tip of your tongue I can hear you singing But you just want to dance Love by the hum of the steel And the winds of change Well this time is for real I've been down this road Crossing that hill, try not to sleep on the floor. Well, this time is for real. Feel the winds of change. I regret not tuning, but <laughs> somehow you made it through. Yeah, it's seven p.m. So you know. sometimes that happens. Hey, so. uh caught another reference there man hard living does that talk about being on the road uh it's about a friend of mine who's having like a lot of mental anguish and ended up 
running away from home okay when he was like around our age you know okay and like i'm gonna hitchhike my way out of this kind of deal yeah and i another friend of mine was like you know do something intentional think about him because he was kind of lost for a while yeah and so i wrote him and i woke up and i was like the first line is black coffee and three cigarettes you know yeah it's like oh that's that's breakfast and it's like put those fresh jeans on and the flannel shirt and i was just like he's out there but yeah it's kind of the same thing sleeping on the floor and running yourself down man i when you're out on the road a fresh pair of jeans is pretty nice you know well you start with clean jeans yeah. right yeah my jeans are already dirty today yeah i mean i, I wear jeans for a couple weeks at a time you know that's even just, my underwear are denim. <laughs> they're denim yeah Man, wow it's gotta be kind of rough on you guys should do this as a on, video podcast i have on a, a denim shirt right now i have on denim pants denim, denim socks undies. and denim underwear Shit, man. yeah it's a thong yeah man a thong a denim yeah, thong a denim thong that sounds like it's rough on the sphincter yeah, well, maybe your butt's not tough enough you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true i've been uh i've been wiping with you know paper towels for a long time so <laughs> It's just cats. Yeah, rough living. Point. Rough living here. Hard rough living. living. Hard living. Hard. Hard. You know, oh, can I throw one more thing in there, though? Yeah. Because yeah. we've been talking a lot about songwriting and just, you know, we all say things all the time about writing songs, but like, I really always like to, like, that song, I feel like my friend who I was thinking about, it's like he's done a lot of hard living. You know, and like I always say to people, you don't have to live the country song to write the country song. Yeah. yeah. And some people really want to do it, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And I'm not I'm not saying I just want to hang out and like go swimming all day, but that's mostly what I want to do. But yeah. But like it's an interesting <laughs> you know interesting thing to think about, you know, as a writer. You don't have to you don't have to be a skydiver to write about well, skydiving. Well, you're putting yourself right? in somebody else's shoes and yeah. writing from that perspective. That's a pretty valuable song to have as a storyteller or songwriter. Didn't yeah. Gary Stewart do that a lot? He wrote a lot about the people around him. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, which one is it? Is she's acting single, I'm drinking doubles. Mm-hmm. He actually wrote about one of his bandmates who was going through some stuff with, with his lady. And so... Great song. Yeah, it's a fantastic song. But Gary Stewart wasn't necessarily living that. And again, it's like we talked about like the power of being outside of something sometimes that's just as powerful as uh and seeing it, it and knowing the person is, is just as powerful sometimes as 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 uh as your own experiences i mean you, they are your own experiences really i mean you're experiencing that from a different perspective but you know that one came to me really quick because i really was channeling my feelings for someone that yeah. i care about yeah i didn't have any of my own ego in it sort of that's how that that song that i was just talking about pecos that's how that song is. It's it's completely about a different person. It's about another person that I'm close to, but same story. My buddy's out, you know, living hard, and I just got to thinking about him one day. I was like, all right, here we go. I mean, I now realize that that's what I was doing, but I don't think I realized that at the time. Well, cool. Boys, shall we go do the shootout? Yeah, let's go play a gig. We've been, uh, right. this is probably going to be a record record length podcast for us mm-hmm. is that because i'm so interesting it yeah. is actually I, or is I was, that because seymour talked the whole time no i was i was oh. i was thinking about this <laughs> rich now. man you gotta call me out like that <laughs> yep and after after we made you steak dinner <laughs> yeah oh man i mean it's it's been a, it's been a pleasure having you it's been a great conversation <laughs> it really has been oh I'm thank serious. you it's yeah. it's it's great to get a lot of good insight into your songwriting 
you know, process and, and your, your philosophy on that. And, you know, it's, it's, this is what we're trying to do here. We're trying to get folks in here that, that are out doing stuff that are out, you know, making stuff, move and shake people that are, that are actually out there making good art. And we are the judges of that. Yeah, we determine sure. who comes on this self-appointed only. And yeah. you gotta be, you know, we want to have people on here that are, that are, that are worth a damn. And we I, also I will take alumni referrals as well. That's so. true. <laughs> but, you know, I... I, uh, I already was pitching my friend in Houston to you guys at, yeah. at dinner. So Very cool. But you'll like it. Yeah. Yeah. And you you want to expand this Houston songwriter community, right? Yeah. yeah well, that's that's, that's part of what we're starting to do. Yeah. That's part connect, of uh, connect our our beloved city to other cities. Um, we're part of a, a greater network. Helping uh, traveling musicians out is all about building those relationships within your city and other places, right? Yeah. So if I introduce you to people from here and you guys build that connection, that creates a broader network for everybody. Um, Agreed. Well, you know, it's like, I think with Houston, it's interesting because it's so sprawling, right? We're so... Houston's an hour from Houston. That's yeah, yeah. Saying. It's like, you know, my grandmother would call me and was like, I heard there was a fire in Houston. I'm like, Grandma, that's an hour and a half from me. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, so it's, it's so tough to have a community and you can complain about it and you can bitch about it and you can say how it sucks. We don't have a music community or you could just, or you could just, you could do, just it, do it. Just do it. Do it. Start, start doing the things that you want to, yeah. yeah. I don't, you know, you feel connection by doing. Exactly. Exactly. Man. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to do. Man, we got, there's so much talent here and there's, there's, the city has a lot to offer folks. And I feel like we used to have kind of a scene going on. And it, yeah, kind of, I mean, kind there of, was a guy named, uh, Waylon Jennings here and Ray Price and Willie Nelson was I'm here at one point. Towns Van Zandt, Guy yep, Clark. Yep. And, you know, where is that? I think it's right here. I think well, it's what it's we're doing. It's y'all, obviously. No, I am not going to compare myself to any of those <laughs> no, people. But, but what I'm saying is, it's like giving artists like that a, a cohesive things. community. Like exactly, Townsend, Zant, Gary Clark. I mean, Guy Clark. They were they were hanging out together all the time. Man, Ray Price was bartending at, at Neon Boots, and, and Willie Nelson is playing there. I, you know, it's just that connection to your other. And I think you see some of that in Austin. You know where. Austin guys, still has it. You guys know each other. You support one another. Yeah. There's a community, an actual community there. Well, I think and there's I, a critical. I think there's a critical density there. Like you have to have so many musicians per square mile that are doing this. Like that have the same end goal in mind. And it's most people, even still new people to Austin, a a popular activity is to go see music. Yeah. And yeah. I wouldn't say in New York yeah. City where there's more people and more musicians probably. Yeah. Probably. But like most people. Don't think, oh, it's Friday night. What band are we going to go see? Dude, that's exactly, in Austin, that's exactly that's, what I ask on Friday night if I'm not playing. I'm like, all right, who's playing? Right. Like, that's we that's what I do. I'm town. like, who? where am I going to go dancing? Or where are they <laughs> yeah. playing? Or, oh, who's playing at Sam's, yeah. right? Let's go check it out. Like, yeah. And it's beautiful. It's like an activity. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, we used to have that here at Goodnight Charlie's. That we could count on them for, and you guys played there a couple times. You know, we could always count on going up there to find some good music. It was nice they didn't have a cover, so we could just stop by and be like, all right, who's playing? Oh, Lonesome Heroes. Great. Let's let's go and check them out. You know? They supported music, created a, a viable did. music community because they paid enough that it was worth us coming down and a lot right. of awesome bands. Yep. And I made friends in Houston. Yep. And we've played in Houston once or twice a year for ten years before Goodnight Charlie's. Yep. And then we started coming once a month. Yep. And then it was like all of a sudden I had friends. And then it was like 
I went and saw, like I saw Kevin play at the White Horse. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. like Dina and Nick, my friends, would like come to Austin and be like, yeah. stay in my house. We'll go dancing at the White Horse. Yeah, we'll Nick Sam Point. He was over here the other day for brunch. And yeah. we're, I, so I didn't realize that you knew them. He yeah. saw the picture of Nick on the fridge and he was like, oh my God, you know Nick? Yeah, Nick's wonderful, Dude. man. Love that guy. And he's he doing his it. own thing too. He, he is, has yeah. that. He has the. Uh, he's got that zine. The zine, daddy issues. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, it's so good. He is. It's a provocative. Super, hey, in all the right I, ways. I have many That's copies cool. at my house. You have yeah. copies? Oh yeah. 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 He's he's doing cool stuff, man. I, love I need to guy. put an ad in there. And, and you know, I mean, and that was what they were building. That was what they were building up there. Was they were building community? That's what they did well, right? Yeah. So Dina and Nick, you know, they're up there dancing. I was up there dancing. You know, Seymour was up, and we had, I mean, I, I, the bass player that I play with right now, Mike Steichen, met him up there. I it was mean, great. I could walk yeah. there from my place. Yeah. Well, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't quite walk there, but it was, you know, I got close. that last pocket of truly cheap Montrose rent. So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, so, you know, kind of what we're talking about is, is there are places like that or places like Samstown or, you know, places like the White Horse, Sagebrush. It's more than a bar, it's more than a venue. They're building that scene. They're building that community. Right? Community center. Yeah. Dude, Samstown Point's really cool, man. Well, don't tell everyone about it. Uh, yeah, stop Lana talking Del Rey like, did a secret show stop there, and talking. I was like, why? Yeah. <laughs> now all these people are going to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah, Sierra Farrell was yeah. there, too. Yeah. I was like, oh. Hey, you just got to start the next one, man. Okay. Well, man. I don't want to run a venue. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to run a venue. I think you'd be good at it. I was trying to do one at Houston. I want to run up a tab at your venue. Yeah. I want to drink for hey, free man. at your venue. <laughs> we support you. Yeah, see? I, I, think that's how you, I think that's how you run yourself out of yeah. a venue. Like, no, nobody else. Free. Just us. Just you. Yeah, just us. That's it. And we won't Just tell me and my 50 closest friends. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to bring my extended family. Well, I was, I was looking at people. I was looking at uh, grabbing a place here in Houston and doing, and doing a venue for what we're talking about. Um, but I mean... The rent's so damn high right now. Oh, the rent's man, too the, damn it's high. It's crazy. Yeah. Dude, I, I good, think... Good I, timing not to start a venue before the pandemic. I know, too. right? Yeah. Well, Shady Acres Saloon, where we're going later man. tonight, that's a pretty cool spot, man. You I know? drove by and checked it out today. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I was like, whoa, it's this is where cool we're playing? Spot. This is awesome. Yeah. yeah, you got like... You got, so speak, you got roosters hanging out in trees and like... Speaking you know. of which, we got to run. Okay, uh, let's do it. It's, it's been a great conversation. Thanks for coming out. Yeah. Before we go, Rich, tell us where we can find your music, your URLs, your social medias and we're jazz. just like thelonesomeheroes.com. You can search the internet for Lonesome Heroes. There's a bunch of, there's a few other bands called Lonesome Heroes. We're the most popular one. Sweet. Uh, and then, like, show. all those companies that steal your money for playing your music and streaming, you can find us. If you can't find us, it's heroes, like H E R O E S, like heroic, not like sandwich, G Y R O S, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Well, cool. Thanks for stopping by. This has been Getting Loose and Killing Time with Christopher Seymour. Christopher Seymour. Christopher Seymour. And Patrick V. Ray. And Rich Russell from Handsome Heroes. Thanks, y'all. Yeah. Not to be confused with uh, Rick Rassler. No, it's Rick Rassler. Rustler. Yeah, like the jacket. I gotta be. <laughs> Thanks.